All right, welcome to episode 37 of the At-Bat podcast presented by War Media, where we give you our thoughts on the latest Chicago baseball news as well as take a trip around the league. We're back in 2023. I am Saul Rodriguez, along with my War colleague, Gabe Wilkins. As you can see him as the host of Open the Open Run podcast here on War Media every week, talking basketball. How you doing, Gabe? I'm doing excellent, Saul. I can't complain, man. It's a blessing to be here talking some Baseball, you know, spring training around the corner. Pitchers and catchers be soon reporting within the next few weeks. Eager to oh, see yeah. what uh, we got on the docket for today. Oh, yeah, man. And it's it, it, like I, I always tell people, you know, January, I feel like January is one of the most boring months in sports. Like I know that football playoffs are there. And then, I mean, I, I get it. But that's only on the weekends, right? It's like during the week, like it's there's basketball sure yes but i mean when your team's like not doing as great like the bulls right now and you got to talk about it the bulls aren't you know aren't sexy right now uh it's a little it's a little rough and uh, the blackhawks are legitimately are horrible so um yeah <laughs> yeah there's not there's not much for chicago necessarily but yeah when you when you hear the schedule coming out like the you know pitchers and catchers reporting like february 17th all that well and i'm just like like you know it's coming you know like I don't, I, I'm like one of those, I'm one, I'm one of those guys that's like I'll watch like once that you know spring training coverage starts, I'm watching MLB Network religiously. Uh, any little like interview of somebody like on the you know on the backfields is like is 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 amazing. And also we'll when we'll get into it too uh, in the next uh, couple months. But World Baseball Classic in in March, I feel like makes baseball start earlier this year, especially competitive wise, because World Baseball Classic is like the playoffs, right? So it's like having two. You know, having the playoffs in March, having the playoffs in October uh, is a double dose. That'd be badass. So that's a great point that you bring mm-hmm. up with the World Baseball Classic. I never really thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. I must admit, even though I am a baseball fan lifelong, I don't follow it as much as mm-hmm. I used to. But the World Baseball Classic does seem to be an event that's like the Olympics for baseball fans. Mm-hmm. And in a time where we are in the month of January. If you are an avid baseball fan, this is kind of like the dog days of the <laughs> offseason for you. Yeah. You know, opening day is less than, I want to say, 70 days away mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, you 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 looking for any type of content you can find or get with a player <laughs> interview, like you said, Saul. Or, you know, if you're a Cub fan, you were probably at Cub convention last week at the <laughs> Grand Sheridan. So I, I understand. <laughs> yeah no and the and the thing is no and I, I get what you're saying with the, with the world baseball classic like i know definitely uh um not as many people are into it because and you know what i think also has a lot to do with it is the fact that the u.s has never really gone all in like they they, they like they half-ass it every time they play and like so a lot of a lot of baseball fans here in the u.s like they don't it's like whatever but i'm glad I'm, i'll say this if you're gonna watch any year it's gonna be like and, and, and be fully into it it's gonna be this year because the u.s is finally you know got all their players in there you know with trout uh and and, and kershaw and all that so like that it's gonna be it's it's gonna be awesome and also i saw uh the uh, world baseball classic uh lineup for the uh, dominican republic i don't know if yeah you i'm glad you brought oh, that up because when i saw that i said i definitely want to check out one of their games <laughs> For can certain, you, because they have an all-star roster from top to bottom. <laughs> yeah, because can, can you imagine a final with Dominican Republic and the U.S.? I mean, that might be like just a, one of the best baseball games we might ever see because they got uh, Julio Rodriguez leading off, Jose Ramirez second, Juan Soto third, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. fourth, uh, Rafael Devers at DH fifth, uh, Manny Machado at third base, batting sixth, Jeremy Pena seventh, 
uh, Gary Sanchez, the catcher at eighth, Sally Marte in right field. And then, and then I was like, Oh, it's, it's a cool lineup. Right. And then they just pull out this, this, the, their number yeah. one starter, Sandy Alcantara. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's honestly better than some all-star teams. That is <laughs> that an all-star seen, team. Right? <laughs> that is like, a legitimate all-star oh team. And then you goodness. got Framber Valdez is the number oh two. My- which yeah, is yeah, not we, a bad option at all. <laughs> exactly. Not to mention the dudes on the bench, right? Which, like, I mean, I'm not, not aware of everyone. It's, on the, it's like, but I'm pretty sure most of them are going to be starters, right? And yeah. Um. But yeah, hopefully, look, and and, and I, I'm the type of guy like it's kind of, I'm kind of like, I treat it like soccer too, where I root for both the, the U.S. and Mexico, like, a, and um, uh, I know the U.S. was able to pull it out in 2017 with uh with Marcus Stroman on the mound, and and uh, but it's cool to see them actually having all their players and um. And Mexico's always low key. They always got you know they they you know back in the day they had like Jorge Cantu, and right uh, I remember and, him. And yeah, so now they'll they'll have uh, they'll have better pitching. And I'm pretty sure Julio Rias is is playing, and uh, Urquidy from uh, from the Astros as well, the starting pitcher. So hopefully they're able to um, make a little bit of a run. But yeah, we'll get into that and for sure have like a World Baseball Classic special and look at all the groups and all that and all the guys that are playing because I know Miles as well. We want to talk about Team Israel. Cause they get okay. better every year as well. And they, you know, they made a run last time in 2017. Um, and you know, they've gotten better. They got Jack Peterson on there. Now they got, That's right. Uh, yeah. They got, um, up and coming first baseman for the Cubs. Matt Mervis, uh, said he's going to be there too. Yeah. So, I heard about that. Yeah. So plenty of guys, uh, that, that, uh, they'll be excited for. I think even, um, Miles said he might be there for it, uh, or might be, sorry, in Israel for the, uh, before the world baseball classic. So I was like, Miles, we're going to need a vlog. <laughs> yeah, so, got to. Uh this is basically we're just catching up as as obviously we uh have not been on since uh December uh before the new year. Uh not a whole lot has happened when it comes to Chicago baseball. I mean, they had the introductory press conferences for Andrew Benintendi, uh the Cubs signed uh Eric Hosmer, Smiley, and Mancini. Uh, you know, obviously and, and also all the news not always great as well, uh is you know, with Liam Hendricks as well, uh uh, you know telling the world he's got uh cancer and that's it's a little rough there but hopefully everything uh works out well but uh you know gave i'll get your first i'll get your full like just straight up thoughts on the baseball news from chicago that we've gotten uh for the white sex especially well how did you like benintendi how, how have you liked you know his interview so far and uh how do you like his attitude coming in and also the number he picked i find that number choice to be interesting <laughs> but i don't i don't mind it i don't mind it you know, the last time the White Sox signed a big time outfielder who once starred for the Kansas City Royals prior to donning the pinstripes on the south side was Jermaine Dye. He wore number 23. He also happened in his first season to win a World Series championship and route to taking home the MVP honors sweeping Houston coming up with a big hit game for So I, I think it was a great number choice, you know? So I, it's kind of funny how things come <laughs> back full circle. So hopefully, you know, he can get the luck of Jermaine dying previous other White Sox greats who have worn it, but nobody really wore it greater than Jermaine. If he's able to do that, you know, kudos to him. He's also a former world series champion himself, mm-hmm. having won a ring with the Red Sox in 18, but I'm, I'm impressed with what I've heard thus far. But with all of that being said, I'm just eager to see him get to work. I think he's a guy who will fit perfectly with this White Sox ball club in regards to his skill set. He's a left-handed hitter, 
and what's been a, a right-handed dominant lineup as well as an offensive presence who's capable of consistently working counts and putting together great plate appearances and at bats. So with that said, I, I like to sign it. And, and on top of that, he's going to provide them with an everyday quality left fielder. This is a former gold glove winner in the American league took home that honor in 2021 with Kansas city. And I believe playing in the ballpark and guarantee rate field will allow him to be more creative with his approach at the plate. He talked about how, when he was batting in Kaufman, he had to take better routes and get quicker jumps, which was something that he had to focus on a great deal playing in a bigger outfield. I don't think a lot of people realize how hard it is to hit home runs out of that stadium in Kansas city. And mm. I think that's part of the reason why you saw the home run numbers down a little bit. Granted, he's a guy who doesn't really hit much for power, but he's never been asked to. When you look at the situation he's been in, batting second behind Mookie Betts in Boston and batting number two when he was with Kansas City. He's more than likely going to bat there in Pedro Grafal's lineup. But with that said, playing in this ballpark, if he's able to, you know, get it up and in the months of June, July, August, where the weather heats up in Chicago, he could probably have a, a, a nice power year which for him would be somewhere between 15 to 20 plus home runs a season. I'm not saying that I'm guaranteeing he's going to do that, but I think he can. And if he is able to do that all the while doing what we know him to do throughout his career, keeping the strikeout percentages low, getting on base, putting barrel to ball, it's an A-plus signing. Yeah, no, you, you make a good point, especially everyone. You know, I feel like everyone's kind of, when everyone's talking about Benintendi, they expect his power to come back. And I think he kind of alluded a little bit to it that, you know, his power numbers, you know, he hits better at guaranteed right field and all that. And, and I think um, it's, it's obviously guaranteed right field compared to Kaufman, I believe is a better, is a better hitting, hitting. Punch, it is. Right? So um, yeah. And, and I think, um, yeah, no, nobody ever talks about Kaufman being like a, a tough hitters ballpark, but it is right. I mean, and, um, and we saw for many reasons, over the, like over the course of the, those years when you know the Royals were good, you know, uh, and winning world you know World Series as, as in 2015, uh, I just remember the the whole uh, Alcides Escobar inside the park home run, uh, uh, right? It was it was right, it was right here, yeah, uh, yeah, for the Mets, right? And um, and that I mean that was crazy or for the Royals, but that was crazy because like I noticed like just the dimensions of that ballpark are way more uh, like goofy than uh, people yeah. realize. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, I think. Uh, I think we'll see more power from him for sure. And especially, you know, his approach is going to be very welcome in, the, in that, you know, White Sox lineup, you know, as you alluded to with his his uh, his style of play. Uh, and I feel like year after year, he's the type of guys that you want at the plate in a big moment because he's going to, you know, he's going to take a walk when needed, but he can get you the big hit. And uh, he's perfect for this lineup, um, you know, and I think he'll he'll fit in just fine. Um, and I, yeah, I was gonna say I I, I love I just loved his his uh, his approach at that press conference and his demeanor. Uh, and yeah, when when talking about the number, I was like, man, uh, you know, it was interesting, you know. But I, I like it because I mean, it's it's something to take on. Uh, not to say he will be, you know, <laughs> that level of player, but it's something you know cool to take on for Chicago and be like, hey, I'm here, uh, and people will admire that number, I'm sure. 
And um, he wanted here. He he was wanted exactly, here. Exactly. And he was a guy that the White Sox tried to draft when he was coming out of college in Arkansas with the number eight pick in the 2015 yeah. draft. But he went to the Red Sox at seven. They also tried to acquire him via trade twice. But it just goes to show you how important relationships are. And this is a mm-hmm. guy that's had success under Pedro Gafal, who was a part of that Kansas City staff prior to being hired by the White Sox, is the manager of the ball club in 2023 and hopefully the foreseeable future. Yeah, you're right. And they, they, it's, it's almost like they've tried to get him for a while. It's like they, they knew they missed out. And then they're like, let's try getting him over and over again. And uh, it didn't work out, but they finally got him. And I think it's it's almost I feel like we've seen Benatendi in a lot of places. I just remember him mostly from the Red Sox. I, I didn't really see him much play for the Royals except for the against the White Sox. But um, weird to see him in that uniform. But I think fans are going to get used to it real quick because uh, he's a very, he's a great player to have on your team and, you know, and all around. Um, but yeah, and, and, uh, and like I said before, you know, uh, hopefully Liam Hendricks is okay and everything's not well there. Um, you know, that, you know, that, and that was, that was crazy to me because in the situation, right. Because we, I feel like we were talking about him earlier this offseason about possible trades and all that. And, um, obviously that's obviously, I I mean, as I'm not a GM, but I'm sure that won't happen obviously with the situation. I'm sure the Sox are trying to take care of him as much as possible, uh, with what's going on. So yeah, hopefully everything turns out well there. Um, on the North side of Chicago, you know, you got the Cubs that, you know, went out there and, and, um, uh, I'm not. I'm, this isn't me saying this because I don't believe this, but I have seen uh, multiple people say, uh, uh, like multiple articles being like the Cubs won the offseason. I don't think that's true, but they did a hell of a job trying to do that, right? And just putting together uh, a, a a bunch of guys, a bunch of likable guys, right? Like Eric Hosmer, Mancini, you know, uh, Bellinger, and all that. So, uh, I, I will say, uh, I I wasn't. I feel like a lot of people were were a little like a little bit too excited with the Hosmer and Mancini signings. I'm not, I'm not too. I I like the signings. Right? I guess I don't like them, but uh, I just uh, I don't know. The the only reason that I kind of kind of rubbed me the wrong way is because it looked like they were gonna give Matt Mervis a little bit more of a shot at first base, right? And this kind of this kind of looks like maybe they're you know they're gonna wait a little bit longer on him. Uh, with the way that with the direction the Cubs are going in, I don't, I don't I don't see why they're so hesitant with giving Mervis a shot. I'm like, I mean, if they don't, you know, not saying not saying they don't expect to win next year, but we know that if they don't, you know, if they only win like 80 games next year and don't make the playoffs, obviously, uh, that nobody's gonna be surprised. So that was kind of weird. But at the end of the day, I was uh, talking to a couple of buddies and I was like, you know what? It, let's say Eric Hosmer you know, goes out there and has two, you know, two months of like a 650 war or sorry, 650 war, 650 OPS, then they could easily, you know, designate him for assignment or something or, you know, whatever, and then bring up Matt Mervis. So I think that's probably where the Cubs, what the Cubs are planning if something goes wayside with those guys. But um, the Mancini one, I like just because of the sense of power, but obviously we know with, uh, um, we know that he hasn't been the same player in the last few years compared to uh, the years with Baltimore uh, he just had a terrible second half uh, with Houston, um, but he, uh, again, he was able to hit eight home runs there and and uh, put up eighteen on the season. So that's that's good in that sense because you know they a lot of, was a lot of questions that they were asking Jed uh, at the convention was about power, the lack of power in the lineup, and and uh, and I think at, at at that time we hadn't gotten Mantini yet, and I was thinking you know they're probably eyeing a younger guy like for example Mervis to to go out there and, and produce some kind of power or something like that 
Um, but it, it, Mancini had been on the radar since the, you know, since the winter meeting. So um, it, it's cool that they got him, and it's cool, you know, that they're giving a lot of guys a lot of opportunities there. Um, and also the one signing I was excited about was Drew Smiley because because he honestly, and I'm not even joking, when you look at the numbers, dude was pitching like an ace in the second half. And, uh, and you know, it was, it was good to see him pitch every, you know, every, every fifth day for the Cubs in the second half as, as good as he was. So, uh, you know, that, that was a good sign. That was the one signing I was excited about for sure, but they put it, put together a great off season. And I, I don't think they'd want, they have won the, the off season, but, um, I think, I feel like you can go to a lot of teams that have done made major deals. Uh, I mean, the, the, the twins went out there and got Correa. I think it's great for them. Um, uh, we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, what's, what's your take on the, uh, on the Cubs, not only off season, but what they've done, you know, in, in the last month with Hosmer, Smiley Mancini. I think what they're doing is they're taking an approach when it comes to targeting veterans on these buy low, high reward type of moves. Mm. That, that's that's what I think is going on. I don't mind it because they're short-term deals. Like I'm looking at Drew Smiley's deal right now. Mm. They say two-year deal, $19 million guaranteed. Where he'll make successive salaries of eight million and eight and a half million, and it contains a two and a half million buyout with a ten million mutual option for the twenty twenty five campaign. That's not bad. I mean, as you said, he had a decent twenty twenty two campaign, and in spite of losing a month in the middle of the year, he stayed healthy. He pitched one hundred six in the third innings, struck out a career worse. 20.4% of his opponents, but he only walked 5.8% of the batters in which he faced. That's that's not bad. And he induced a you know a lot of swinging strikes as well. So I, I don't I don't mind that move. The Mancini move, I don't mind either because like you said, this was a lineup that lacked power. And when you're able to get that, then why not go for it? Especially when you know you need that from the position. And Mancini's a guy who is not only capable of providing power, but as we saw in the World Series, in spite of his struggles with Houston, he can provide you with a decent glove yeah. at first base, which can help you win games too. And he's not the worst in the outfield. So I, I don't mind that either. As far as what what they've done, like I, I think Matt Mervis is a guy that at some point in time will get action with this ball mm -hmm. club. Eric Hosmer, he's not really hurting you, mm -hmm. in, in my opinion. Like he's a guy that you take a flyer on. I could see why certain fans are excited because they see these names, and what they see is is former World Series champions mm -hmm. and Mancini having won a ring in Houston. That's why they're excited, but. Like, I don't really see too many barriers to entry for for Matt Mervis to not mm -hmm. have a chance. Like, if, if Eric Hosmer's not cutting it, they can easily let him walk, like yeah. you said. And Bellinger could play first base, but I don't think he's going to be playing a lot of first base in mm -hmm. Chicago. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to keep him in the outfield. So with that said, yeah, Mervis still has a, a, a shot in making the, the roster and faring pretty well. I just think they have insurance set in place for where when they do bring him up if he if Mervis struggles 
they can at least go to certain veterans for assistance in the mm -hmm. first base department, an area in which they really didn't have a steady guy there prior to them making these signings. So I, 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 I think what they're doing is they're getting veterans that have championship experience and they're betting on them. Mm -hmm. They bought them they low, but they're betting on them. And if they're good enough, then maybe, depending on where they are in the standings come the middle of July or whatever, they could probably trade one of them. Mm -hmm. And in return, continue to build up your farm system. But if you're winning, you can keep going with it. So, I mean, they, they're kind of playing around at this point. But I, I do appreciate the fact that they're at least trying to acquire some form of depth. Yeah. Because when I look on the South side, like we talk about what the Benintendi signing, like it's a lot of people who are still complaining about the lack of a second baseman mm -hmm. on the South side. Cubs don't appear to have that problem too much now. They got depth. And that's a good thing. Whether you're a young team or you're a team that's seeking to compete in your division and win your division with the hopes of playing deeply into October. Yeah. And, and, and you're right in the depth. Uh, but at, as of recently, I still think they're trying to make some, some deals or at least people suspect they're trying to make some deals right with uh, in regards to Nick Madrigal and uh, Zach McKinstry, even, which is a surprise. Uh, but I guess teams have asked about McKinstry. Um, and even, I guess my guy had think, I think maybe the, the Red Sox inquired about him. Um, but it's kind of funny. Cause I even saw, um, I saw, I mean, I saw, uh, this White Sox fan on Twitter say, uh, how perfect this trade would be. I mean, I don't know if I agree with that, but how, uh, I just thought it was kind of funny because you guys traded, traded him to us, but Nick Madrigal for, uh, Yasmani Granda, <laughs> like straight up, just straight up. And they were saying like because oh like the, the guy was saying oh because the Cubs need, you know, have a need at catcher obviously that was before the B Barnhart signing not that uh, Barnhart's better but uh and he was like you know saying oh that you know they you know they could figure out the money and all this stuff and blah blah, blah. but I was like I don't think White Sox fans would like that because I don't know I don't you're think you're creating another problem <laughs> yeah that's exactly that's what yeah. you're doing and <laughs> no disrespect to Nick Madrigal uh -huh. he wasn't that bad here mm -hmm. minus his base running miscues mm -hmm. which is still a problem and i think that's a player development thing that that needs to be discussed with him mm -hmm. but it, it, it's really just been his base running and his health yeah that's been his his biggest setbacks as a professional in major league baseball thus far since making his debut with the white Sox. but if you made that trade you're creating another problem because mm -hmm. Then who the hell is playing catcher every day? <laughs> Sebi Zavala? And no disrespect to Sebi mm -hmm. Zavala. I think he's a quality backup catcher. He knows how to manage his staff mm -hmm. day in and day out. But no, I I I, I wouldn't do that. Even in spite of Yasmani Grandal struggles in 2022, and believe yeah. me, he struggled greatly. I, I'm not doing that. If you're the White Sox, you really have no choice, in my opinion, but to ride it out with Yasmani mm -hmm. Grandal who is on the final year of his contract, by mm -hmm. the way. And if you want to, you can seek to find a way to move on from next offseason. And even though the market is barren for catchers, maybe put together a trade 
with some of the pieces that you have down on the farm if you got to, depending on how the season fares in 2023. Yeah, and and and, and I would rather bank on Grandal any day over Madrigal as of, as of this point of where they're at in the career, regardless, you know, of where they've been. I mean, it, Madrigal, when he's played with the Cubs, at least, it hasn't been uh, great. And again, you could argue probably that has injuries have to do with it and just affect, you know, the lack of play over the last couple of years um, affected him. But I hope he gets a chance somewhere if we end up trading him, you know, hope he gets a chance to start somewhere. Um, I thought that Red Sox opportunity would have been perfect. Um, I don't yeah. know if it's still on the table, but it would hope- be. Mm-hmm. It, it would be for the simple fact that the status of Trevor's story is mm-hmm. up in the air right now. Yeah. And they're going to have to sign a second baseman of some sort. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, who's playing short? Yep. With Xander out of town. As of right now, they have a they have a Kike Hernandez in there at shortstop, but that's still not, you know. Exactly. He's not an everyday guy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So their whole middle infield right now is in question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, no, and, and and I was uh yeah, that, that Trevor Story thing when I heard about that, I mean, I was like, wow, if the Red Sox needed something else to uh be ticked off about, they got it. And uh, yeah, even I think it was Heim Bloom that said, I think or Cora said that they're they're gonna play like they're not gonna have story at all. Um, and it's kind of like the whole, you know, Lonzo Ball thing that you guys have talked about. It's like you might as well just play like he's not even gonna show up this year. Um, so yeah, it's rough. And uh with the which with the direction the Red Sox are going in 2022 or sorry 2023 yeah you might as well you know take a flyer on a guy like Mighty got to see what happens uh but we'll see um another thing I want to talk about was the uh the actually transit we'll transition to uh, Rafael Devers and the Red Sox because they were at least they made a good deal there and and finally keeping him uh what do you think about that I mean I know definitely uh I was like they got to do something right because the Bogarts thing had people over the edge on the for Red Sox fans they were just as mad as you can get all over Twitter and and all that. So um what do you think about that deal? I know that's as positive as you can get for the Red Sox. It's the biggest positive in Boston's offseason mm-hmm. outside of uh the Yoshida signing mm-hmm. during the winter meetings. This is a guy who came up with the ball club Signed with them as an international free agent at the age of 16, 10 years ago. And to lose him would have been major, especially following Xander's exit and going to San Diego. I don't think it was a move that they couldn't afford to make. I don't they they had to do that. I was shocked though, because Devers actually got what he wanted and some he was seeking 300 million he got 331 million over 11 years that is a huge and shout out to him because he's earned it he's one of the best power hitting third baseman in all of baseball when he's healthy and run manufacturers in the game and while his defense at times leaves a lot to be desired, I'm telling you right now, if they didn't, if they didn't sign him to that extension, teams were gonna call. Teams were gonna call. And understandably so. But it's good that they have him locked up. I just hope that Hein Bloom and his front office staff find out what it is that they're seeking to do moving forward. Do you really want to win? 
in the tough American League East or are you playing for your future? Because right now, I still don't know when I assess the state of Boston's roster. Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of questions in there. And, and Heim Bloom has just been getting torn apart online. And uh, I mean, it, you know, especially, you know, like we, like I said, not signing a Xander. I mean, just his, um, uh, I, I think somebody said they saw him. I think I'm going to mention this before, but they saw him in, in at the airport and, uh, and like just they, they said, oh, like it's about Xander. And they, he just kind of like shook his head like he was down. Um, but I'm just like, man, it's just not a good look for a lot of reasons, right? Over the course of the offseason, but he was able to deliver with Devers. And it's as good as you can get uh, for their offseason. Uh, but they still have a lot of, you know, doors that they have to, um, you know, take care of looking and, and see what they got in there because it, it's good. They're going to need it. Um, also, with Carlos Correa signing with the Twins, I mean, were you, is that something? I mean, look, the fiasco finally came to an end. Uh, he went from the <laughs> Giants, the Mets, to the Twins. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I'm I'm not necessarily surprised he signed with the Twins because it's one of those things where if you would have told me at the beginning of the offseason he would sign there, I'd be like, nah, I don't think so. But but I'd be like, hey, whatever, he's been there, so he under, he gets to everyone there. But but then I look at the numbers, and I'm like, yeah, so it's you know way shorter of a contract and uh, way less money. Uh, but what did you think about what, what did you think about the conclusion of Carlos Correa? Obviously, this doesn't necessarily benefit the Sox. Not that not to say not to say that the the Twins the Twins have gotten better, right? The starting rotation's gotten better. Um, I still think it's 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 uh it's gonna be an absolute uh battle for for uh, the AL Central again this year. So yeah, what did you think about the the conclusion of this uh, fiasco? That's that's still an interesting situation to me. I don't know how if you're Byron Buxton or Luisa Rice, you don't how you don't look at Carlos Correa when you go to spring training, wondering whether or not he even wants to be here. That man had two deals where he was bound to make over $300 million for over a decade, fall by the wayside because of issues with his health records and teams not liking his medicals, to now having to settle for a six-year deal slightly over $200 million. I I, I, I kind of feel bad for him. Even though he's a Scott Boris client, I know a lot of people don't like Scott Boris. It is what it is. He's one of the best agents in the game, and he's going to remain at the top because of what his client catalog entails. But, man, like, that's that's rough. I I, I can't help but wonder, like, if though if I'm a teammate, do you really want to be here? Mm-hmm. Because I, I never saw him signing or re-signing with Minnesota. I didn't. But after the way things went with his records – they were the only team that felt comfortable signing them last year. So why not take them back? Because if you didn't, you didn't have a shortstop to man the position on an everyday basis throughout the 162. I I look at Minnesota, though, and even though they got their guy after all of that to finally come back home, I still see issues with that bullpen. I still see issues with with some of their starting pitching. Yeah, they you know they they have some up and coming young talent 
Jose Miranda's a hell of a player, but I don't think anybody in the Central is really scared of Minnesota. I think that the team that most people are scared of, uh, the biggest threat to the White Sox really in the American League Central is still Cleveland. Yeah, no, 100%. And the, the thing is with the Twins too is that, you know, they could put out anybody out there, but it's going to be a, a still a rough go anyways in the Central for them every year. Um, as we always see, right? Any guys they pick up and and then they just, they they it, you know, Chris Paddock's probably not going to pitch in 2023, but he's re-signed with them. Uh, with the twins. So they have a lot of issues in general when it comes to the rotation, but you know, uh, as a whole, they were able to make some additions and at least they got a guy like Correa to, to kind of man, you know, the, the lineup with Buxton. So uh, we'll see. And, and they still got, and they still have a lot of strange decisions, decisions to make because, you know, Lisa rise apparently still on the market. Yeah. Uh, I don't understand that. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, the thing I don't understand though, is the fact that, so, okay. So like, uh, they apparently Luis Arise, uh, they offered him to Miami, and Miami wanted to, like I think they wanted uh, to make a trade, but like I guess the Twins wanted one, for, or they thought they were gonna do one for one or whatever. Anyways, point of the story is that I saw a lot of uh, fans on Twitter saying that uh, a one for one would make no sense, and I'm like, you guys are crazy because if you guys got one for one, uh, Pablo Lopez, uh, Luis Arise for Pablo Lopez one for one, that's as good as it gets for you guys, you might, some might even say this, like, like you guys are robbing <laughs> because, because let's face it. The, the Marlins don't need a guy like Lisa rise. They do. They really don't with, with, no, the they way don't. They're, they're, with the way they're going. And, and the, and the twins, if they got Pablo Lopez, I mean, they automatically have an, you know, another ace in that, that rotation, if not the best guy in the in rotation. Right. So I don't understand why, what, what the reaction was with the fans saying that, you know, they wouldn't want to do that because I think at this point, the AL Central, you know, still, if they're able to, you know, make some tinkers in there, yeah, they can make a little more of a run. But uh, as it stands, uh, I still think it'll be, it'll end up being Guardians versus White Sox to win that division. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll finish off by uh, talking a little bit about, the, you know, the, the one of the main stories from the last couple of weeks, which has been RoboOmps coming uh, to the AAA. Um, and they're soon coming to the Major League Baseball. And I know uh, – Gabe, I said it. I was like, you know, you got, I'm sure you got a lot to say about this for sure. Um, but yeah, just overall thoughts on, on or Robo Ums coming. I know for me, um, I don't necessarily think we should take out the umpires altogether, uh, physically, umpires being there. And I don't think that's the direction they're going in. Um, because I think as of right now, they said they're doing, uh, one of them is it, one. A format that they're doing is some stadiums will use an electronic strike zone with the human umpire behind the plate relaying the computer calls. So that's probably the one that, you know, I'm sure most people wouldn't like. Uh, others will feature a challenge system uh, where human umps will continue calling balls and strikes, but teams can challenge. That's the one I see most likely happening at stadiums. But what are your overall thoughts? I know you, you got something to say, so go ahead. Uh, I'll, I'll give you your, the, your platform. Go ahead. I, at first, spoke a little out of context about it, I must admit. After doing some research and reading about it, I'm not against it. As long as umpires can still call balls and strikes behind mm -hmm. the plate. I am in favor of the replay challenge system, though, where players have the option to step out the batter's box and challenge whether or not a certain pitch was a ball or a strike. And then being able to review that and taking what the robo 
umpire said into consideration. I, I, I like that. If they do that and bring that to Major League Baseball, I, I'm not against it because there are some umpires in the majors. I won't say no names because I don't want to di- diss anybody, but I know a couple that come to my mind at the top of my head as I'm speaking on it. It, who it, Gavis, have wide it, strike zones, very wide strike zones. Gavis, it's not you saying this, but this is just a, a, a you know, we saw that post of John Boy, right? John Boy had that post saying about the robo umps, and the picture they used was Angel Hernandez. He's public enemy number one. He's public enemy number one. I wasn't going to say his name, but that was and definitely who I was thinking it, about. They put it out there just saying. Yeah, the star of the show. Always has been, always will be. But with that said, I, I, I'm I not against the replay challenge system at all. If you're using robot umpires, though, strictly where you don't even have umpires in the game, then that's where I have an issue with it. But if, if the replay challenge system, and I did see some visuals of how that works. I believe Jaslyn Dominguez, who's a prospect in the Yankees farm system, was at the plate and he challenged it about several months back during a minor league season. Yeah. Like I, I, I like that. And I'm, I'm fine with that coming into the, the major league level, but I don't mind them using the minors to test this out because that's what the minors really should be for mm-hmm. on top of player development. So I'm cool with them testing it out and giving it a promotion where they'll be one step away from the majors and triple A to see how it works. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, because I don't want to necessarily take out the umpire altogether. Um, if that happened eventually, I don't, I mean, not necessarily I'm, I'm going to be fine with it, but I would just be like, you know, it is what it is. But I don't think that'll happen anytime soon of them taking completely out the umpire. Uh, but I like that system, right, with the challenges, because it just reminds me of like every other sport that has challenges and that, or at least I should say with the uh, reviews like that, for example, a perfect example is, is soccer. Uh, you know, they have the, the, the refs where the watches so that when a, a goal or a ball uh, may have passed the line for, for it to be a goal, all they have to do is look at the watch and the watch literally says goal or no goal. I never um, knew that. Yeah. And uh, so that that's, that's uh, they have like technology inside of the ball. They've been using that for years now. And it's like, that's, easy as easy as it goes and it is it is very very quick and everything so hopefully that's what it what happens with baseball and they're able to use that type of technology because i think that'd be cool with the whole challenge too because then it just adds more strategy to the game right because you're like when should we use this challenge should we use this early in the game or should we use this late or should we use these late in the game see where you know a lot of teams are going to be thinking about that now throughout the game and it's kind of in the, in the nba the same way right because you have uh, i believe it's two challenges right one I have an oh, issue one. with that okay. system too, because <laughs> it, it's only one. Uh, and even if you win the challenge, you don't get rewarded another. I mm. do believe that the NBA needs to make it mandatory to give head coaches at least two challenges in a game. And if they win yeah. two, do it like the NFL. You get a yeah, third. The NFL, they keep it. They keep it. Right. right. Well, you yeah. give them a third if they win. So just just do it that way because you have to be very selective with how you use challenges in the NBA mm-hmm. to determine whether, you know, a certain foul call should have went in your favor or not. Mm. But the one thing with the robo umpires that made me concerned at first, when I initially spoke on it was I was like, well, if you remove 
the human umpire away from the game. You're taking away from the interaction between player and umpire because mm-hmm. there's nothing more like sacred to me as, as a former baseball player in Little League than being able to have an interaction with an umpire behind the plate and ask him, hey, even if I disagree with the call, how we calling it? Mm-hmm. Because that at least gives me some insight as to what pitches I need to be swinging at and what pitches I don't. Because if I get a if I get any inkling that he's calling something that's like slightly on the outside, then that's letting me know that I might need to adjust my zone for that given day. Yeah, no, that's that is true. That's what a lot of players are saying, right? That that's a, this is a big deal is the interaction with the umpire, the interaction with you know, and and uh, even a lot of the players, you know, I mean, they talked to some of the uh, pitchers uh, at the Cubs convention, and Drew Smiley was saying, you know, that he liked the you know that he liked the human element uh, of the game. Of course. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's gonna be you know something to watch out for in, in in the next you know few years to see how they handle it how they implement it into the major leagues cuz they know they will um and if they do it as soon as next year i hope it is at least challenges um and and i will say also that uh as much as they could do better at it i still like the fact that they could that they're, they're still announcing um you know what's going on cuz obviously they started doing it uh, in the last couple seasons but uh because it gives a you know the the fans a little bit more of like you know a inside peek at to why they did what they did and because you know but it's still the fact that it took that long is ridiculous you know because for the longest time we're just guessing like well, oh why did they why did they make that call you know and they just like keep you know just start playing again um, I know even in as a reverse um, uh, soccer is taking that from you know from our uh, taking that out out of our book and uh, doing that now as well they will also announce whenever there's a challenge. They're gonna start. Uh, they, they're gonna start a year trial in um, in what they call the Club World Cup, which is uh, just not the national teams, but the uh, uh, not the international teams, but the national teams, the domestic teams tournament. And they're gonna be announcing the the you know uh, the verdicts, I guess you could say, from each uh, challenge, like the NFL does. So that's pretty cool too, um, as well. Because in soccer, it's the same way. Something happens. Uh, and you get the replay, but you don't necessarily get someone to be like, oh, this is they, they don't answer until after the game. So, yeah, it's, that'll be cool to see. And, and I'm sure uh, they'll uh, um, benefit from that. And it's all it's I, I, all these things are just fascinating to me in sports because I feel like imagine if we were like imagine, you know, 30 years ago, people talking about, you know, challenges and, and uh, announcing the call and people would just be like, what are you talking like that would never happen. Right. And uh, it's cool to see something like this happen. And. Hopefully they implement it in the right way for sure. Um, but I think that's a good place to wrap things up for this edition of the at bat baseball podcast. I want to thank Gabe Wilkins for coming on. And of course, watch him on the open round podcast every week with uh, Joshua Hicks uh, as they break down the, the inconsistent bulls, but uh, you know, <laughs> but Hey, hopefully things are, you know, hopefully things, you know, they can make it to postseason and, and surprise people, but, and hopefully, Hey, and hopefully they keep their guys. too. I know that a lot of people were talking about trading Caruso, and all that stuff, but I think they're going to stay pat. Who knows? Uh, hopefully things go well. But uh, 76ers going up, the Nuggets, uh, and uh, obviously the Thunder, you can't take those guys lightly whatsoever. Yes, um, indeed. So, yes, indeed. So de- a lot definitely. of action to talk about. Sacramento right now is currently number three overall in the Western Conference, mm-hmm. seeking to break the longest playoff drought in North American sports. But before we go, I just want to send the special prayers up and thoughts out to Liam Hendricks. I didn't get a chance to speak on that. 
you know, that that's got to be a hell of a thing to find out when you're trying to get just your typical checkup prior to the start of the year. You find mm-hmm. out you got non-Hoskins lymphoma. I don't know the guy, but I've had a chance to like see him on the field, interact with people. He seems like a very nice guy. Been one of the best closers I can recall in my recent Sox memory with of the franchise, really since the days of Bobby Jenks. So I, I'm, I'm, my, my thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family, man. And I, I wish him the, the best of recovery because that's sure as hell something that's far bigger than the game of baseball and sports oh, itself. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And yeah, with, with the type of guy he is, and I've seen a lot of things out, out there about like, you know, cancer has got, you know, got one hell of a matchup. Cause, uh, cause Liam Andrews, we're him. One, we're him. Yeah, he, definitely. Yeah. He's one, he's one bad, one bad MF for sure. Yeah. So, um, uh, hopefully everything works out for him. We'll, we'll definitely be keeping tabs on that, but yeah, once again, thanks for, thanks again for joining me and, uh, hope everyone enjoys their week and we'll see you guys next week.